Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. We were uh, putting the kids to bed last night. You know, we're wrapping up a series that we've been in for a few weeks here. Uh, I wasn't wrapping up the series with the children last night, sorry. Um, But... uh, that's what's happening this morning. We've been talking about who Jesus is. So that's, we're going to wrap it up as you'll see in just a moment. But we were putting the kids to bed last night and uh, we, it, I don't want to give, give the false impression here that it's, you know, it's always halos and like prayers. But last night we prayed together and uh, one of the kids volunteered to, to pray, which was just sweet. And I was tired, so I was really glad. And, um, and she was praying and she's praying for people we had been around and uh, people we're praying for and uh, praying that we would all sleep well and, you know, all the usual things and uh, in, in eight-year-old style again. I don't want to create any false impressions here. But at the end, she prayed for me, and she was like, help Daddy preach. And Paul, she's like, help Daddy preach like a superstar. And uh, <laughs> like, all right, that's a lot of pressure, right? I don't know. Well, I'm here to tell you that that is not going to happen, right? But, but today is Pentecost Sunday, right? And on this particular day, Someone did, in fact, preach like a superstar, and his name was Peter, right? It's a, it's a moment we celebrate in the calendar of the church for 50 days after Easter. The disciples have been praying and waiting in Jerusalem. God, what on earth is going to happen next, right? They've lived through three years of life with Jesus. They've lived through a crucifixion of the one they thought was going to change everything, and then his resurrection, which has blown their minds, right? Like, they, you know, what is going on? His ascension, again, like, okay, this is... We're in a fantasy novel here. What on earth, right? And now they're waiting like he's told them to do, waiting. And they've experienced the Holy Spirit in a way that had been promised. And if you know the story, right, this is Pentecost Sunday, right? This is, uh, some call it the, 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 the moment when the church became the church. God gave his spirit uh, to his disciples, and, and you'll know that uh, they begin speaking in tongues. And in this particular instance, languages that the people uh, around could understand, uh, in fact, right, it's a, it's a, Pentecost was a celebration that had been around the history of God's people in the Old Testament, associated with a couple of things, but one of those things was, was you know, after the exodus and deliverance from Egypt, God had given them his word, uh, remembering this moment, given, given them the, 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 the law, God showing up in smoke and fire and all these images that are now present in Acts, some of you guys have been reading, in, in the giving of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so it's a, a festival that was already sort of in the books, if you will. And so many people traveling from all over, language is present there to celebrate. And now this happens. And they begin hearing these disciples sort of speak in languages they understand. And, and they probably one of the funniest moments in scripture, they're like, man, it's too early for these guys to be drunk, right? Like what's going on, right? And uh, so Peter stands up, Peter, right? Peter who had cut and run, who had been, again, all over the map, Peter stands up and preaches like a superstar. He stands up and just preaches. And what he says, I think, has relevance for what Quentin read for us this morning from John's gospel. Peter stands up and he says a lot of things. Uh, tries to explain what's happening here. He goes to passages in the Old Testament, prophets uh, who had written about what it would be like when God would move in the way that he was doing uh, in this moment. He says all these things, but he lands sort of on on a conclusion or really the the point of what he's trying to communicate. 
And he says to them, right, like he explains all of this to them, and this is where he lands. He says, this is, this is to declare to you that Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, right, very particular, specific, human, this Jesus is the Messiah who has been crucified, who has been resurrected, and who is now pouring out his spirit on us, right? So I want you to catch what he says to them, right? So all of this, he says, it's Pentecost, the beginning of the church. God has given his spirit, and the result of that moment is this clarity, this announcement from Peter, Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah, and he is, the, Jesus, the one, the particular one that has been crucified and now raised from the dead, and who now pours out his spirit, this Jesus. It, it sounds, again, I don't think uh, by any accident, it sounds like what John tells us in what Quentin read for us this morning. John tells us why he's telling us what he's told us, right? You see what's happening there at the end of his gospel. He's really explicit. I'm going to tell you why, why I'm telling you what I've just told you. And this is why. This is why all these things that I have shared with you about Jesus, things like uh, feeding the 5,000, things like healing uh, the man by the pool, things like helping the man who had been blind from birth be able to see, things like telling his followers, I'm the bread of life and the light of the world and the vine, things like, right? John says, I'm going to tell you why I'm telling you all of these things. And what he says is so that you may believe that Jesus, this Jesus, is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You may have life in, in his name. Again, it, it, it's, 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 it's the kernel. It's, it's what the Spirit on Pentecost sort of makes really clear to those first disciples in the beginning of the church. Peter will go on, right? Again, he stresses, what's happening here? What is the Spirit doing? Well, uh, undeniably, at the center of whatever else he may be doing is he's bringing into focus who Jesus is and what he's done for everyone who will listen. That Jesus, this Jesus, precisely the one that has died on the cross, and you have seen it, right? He says precisely that one. And who has been raised from the dead. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. Right? God has made, in fact, he'll, he'll go on, he'll put it a little more clearly a little bit later in the sermon as a superstar preacher. He will say, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has made him Lord and Christ. Peter, like any good preacher, you know, will respond to that question that's made explicit in the story in Acts chapter 2. Well, well, this is great news. What do you want us to do? Right? But I hope a question that comes up in your heart and mind every time we come together, well, this is great. We're announcing the good news, but, but what now? What does this look like or mean in your life and mine? And Peter says, well, that's a great question. This is what it means. Repent. Each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. Right, this, this moment, Pentecost Sunday, God giving his spirit of all the things that will go on to mean in the life of the church at its beginning, fundamentally, it's bringing home in the hearts of everyone who will hear and listen that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that he is working life and forgiveness of sin for all of our brokenness, right? I think John, John says the same thing at the end of his gospel in, in some sense. You know, it's less robust, right? He's, he's writing a letter or this gospel account, not a letter, this account of the life of Jesus. And he says, let me tell you why I, I'm telling you what I've just told you. Let, let, me, let me make it very clear to you. 
so that you will believe. You believe that Jesus, this Jesus, is the Christ, right? Which, again, I think the Son of God, right? I, I think it just feels so simple. I don't, what else? There's really not much else for me to say to you this morning, right? The, the point of everything that we do here, uh, why we, we spend time in scriptures to move us, regardless of our sort of faith history, always to bring us back to this confession. We believe Jesus. We believe that if we want to know what the Father is like, we have to look at the Son. That there's no clear picture. There's lots of question about what God is like. And lots of interest in spirituality, perhaps, all this kind of stuff. But John brings it back into focus here. And then the Holy Spirit, again, through Peter, you want to know what the Father is like. Well, we see it in Jesus the Christ. And again, I think, you know, what, what else? I don't really know. I don't know that there's a lot to say. It just feels really simple, right? It's the point of it. Why have we spent all this time reflecting on John's gospel? It's been almost a little over a year as a church. We haven't done it sort of uh, chronologically through the book, but we have covered about the whole of John's gospel over the last little over a year, in and out of, of what John is sort of leading us to. And what he's leading us to is what we read this morning, that you would know and believe you still today, right? He's writing, right? John is, is telling sort of the first community of disciples, you know, that some years after Jesus that are trying to sort it out. Maybe they're experiencing persecution. Maybe he's trying to convince those on the fringe. You're like, man, you know, they're familiar, kind of rooted in Jewish history, but, but he's, he's trying to move them and you to a place of belief and confession that Jesus Jesus is the son of God. I want to know what the father is like. I want to know life. I have to know him, I'm invited into knowing him. So I think, I think we could approach it a, a couple of different ways. Uh, we could sort of take each turn in part, right? You could reflect on it with me maybe. I, I, maybe, I, maybe I should ask you guys the question, right? Well, if we start at the beginning, it says, so believe, right? First, I'm telling you all this so that you would believe. What, what does that mean? What's that look like? We could tease out all the nuances of that word. We could do a word study in John's gospel. All the places, it's a popular word in John's gospel. All the, all the places in which John calls his readers uh, to believe. Right? There's flesh on that word. It's not just like, let me take a box or let me kind of, you know, make a mental sort of ascent. Okay, I know this to be true of Jesus. Check, and that's fine. It's a much more robust word. We, we could do that, and I think there would be some value there, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you to maybe wrestle with that yourself or maybe a conversation you have uh, later. We could sort of focus on the next bit. So he wants to move you and me to belief, but a specific belief to the belief that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. We could tease that out. I think we've already hinted at that, that, that he is God's plan, right, the Messiah, rooted in Old Testament history, rooted in God's work in the world, his plan to redeem his people and through his people, the world, right? The promises in the Old Testament, he would raise up a people and through that people, he would bless all the peoples, right? Uh, my girls love to correct that. Like peoples is not the right word, right? It's people is already plural. What are you doing, right? But that through him, right, that the, the Christ, God would, God would work his plan to redeem the world. John telling us, that person is Jesus, but not just the Christ, the Son of God, the, 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 the one you, you look to to know what God the Father is like. We could, we could hang out there, but I feel like we've done that over the last few weeks specifically as bread of life, 
right, as light of the world, as the way, the truth, and the life, as the good shepherd, as the gate who works your security in mind, that we, we've looked at what it means to, to see Jesus as, as uh, the Father uh, and invites us to see him. Or we could focus on the last bit, so that you would believe. What does this mean for you? That you would believe. You would believe robust. There's flesh there, not just like that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God and the result of that so that you would have life. Life, man, what, what does that look like? Eternal life, as we've seen since Easter, um, the resurrection of life, it, it, it as well is a very robust word. I think, I, you know, we just kind of think of like the great beyond, somewhere out there, eternal life, uh, whatever that sort of life after death bit of the world we try to figure out but do a, uh, you know, have a hard time with. Certainly it means something eternal, but, but it as well is a very sort of full word in John's gospel. Abundant life that Jesus seems to indicate starts now in the lives of his followers. Life, right? We could sort of tease all those out, which I've just done briefly, right, as a way to preach sort of two things, those things. And then what I want to say to you, also this morning. I still, though, think it leaves me with the question, what does all that look like? Right, what's it look like for you? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I wonder what it looks like for me as a pastor, Overland Park, a church plant, carrying my own stuff like you guys carry, my own home and life and family and friendships and relationships, all those things. Man, what, what, does, it, what does it look like? What does belief look like for you or me and my job? My job probably different than yours, but you know what you know what I mean. What does belief uh, look like in my marriage, in my vocational pursuits, like my career goals, in my relationships, and how I parent, how I neighbor, in my weakness, in my sickness, in my frustration, in my successes, in all of my strengths of character and weaknesses of character? What does belief? What does it mean to believe, to believe Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God in all of those spaces? What does that look like for you? And, and then I also, like, that's one place I sort of get stuck, but I also get stuck with, with life. Man, what does life mean in all of those spaces? All of those same spaces, uh, life, in all, my life, and all of its ups and downs and brokenness and wholeness, right? In all of those different places, what, what does it mean for me to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, know that I have life in all of those places, regardless of what it may look or feel like? I think, I, I think it's one reason God gave us Pentecost. I think it's one reason God poured out his spirit in that moment so that his spirit could be about the work as it was then and continues to this day of, of, of bringing this good news, this announcement home in your life and mine, that we would know beyond doubt that God has made this Jesus, the one that has been crucified and raised, that he has made him Lord in Christ, and that when we believe in him, we experience the life of forgiveness and wholeness that we could find nowhere else. That, that the Holy Spirit uh, gifted at this moment, right, and now at work in the life of the church, I think helps bring this gospel truth home uh, for you and me in ways that maybe we at times have trouble perhaps figuring out. It's a space that I pray regularly that Park City would, would be, that we would be a place where this singular simple truth 
that belief in Jesus as the Christ and the Son of God changes life for you. That every sort of place you rub shoulders with us as a church would be a place where, where that uh, truth is, where the Holy Spirit is at work with that truth in your heart and life. So here, here's what I want to try this morning, okay? So you have to sort of kind of given us a, an overview of, of this moment. John summarizes, and this is pretty clear what he's calling us to do. I, I, I think been a little transparent with you on I think where some of the challenges are, even as I read it and hear it, as I, I think through the question we always do of what does, God, what does this look like for me now? I, I kind of want to try to step into that uh, space this morning. And surprising it is, as it is, I'd like to start with a tweet. Uh, which, right, I know, right? You're incredulous. I know. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I read a tweet this week. Um, I don't know how it came to me. I actually saw it a couple different places. I, I can't remember exactly, uh, but, but it, uh, it, was a, it was a bit of, of humor and satire about mask wearing. And I know we're in a strange place. Folks are vaccinated, folks are not, all sorts of stuff around who, gets, who should and gets to wear a mask. I appreciate all of your graciousness and just treating each other with grace around that question as the CDC, you know, gives us instruction. But um, I... Uh, I read this this tweet about uh, about uh, the current state of things with regards to the CDC. You guys ready? You're over the shock of the of the revelation that I read a tweet. All right. If you're fully vaccinated, the only mask you'll need to wear in public is the elaborate system of defense mechanisms you've built around your true self, out of the fear that if people knew the real you, they decide that you are not worthy of love. Right. Right, I'll, I'll read that to you again, right? CDC update, right? CDC update. The, if you're fully vaccinated, the only mask you'll need to wear in public is the elaborate system of defense mechanisms you've built around your true self out of fear that if people knew the real you, they decide that you are not worthy of love, right? You're like, man, that packs a punch, right? Whoa, that's what they do. They get you laughing and then like, mm, right? Well, maybe this will help, all right? I'm just gonna give you a couple examples here. <laughs> right, equally as shocking, I saw an interview with Jim Carrey uh, this week as well. And, uh, you know, Jim Carrey, whew, man, he, he says a lot of interesting things. Uh, and, you know, uh, but this one I, I thought I thought was really interesting. And maybe the context of his conversation uh, drove it home a little bit, but this, listen to what he said. Uh, the interviewer's kind of asking him questions about his life, and, and he had just been sharing about sort of uh, the emptiness he felt in the midst of all of his success. And they're asking about particular characters. Where did, you know, like the Truman Show guy come from? Where did these characters come from for you? This is what he says in, in response to one of those questions. He, he says, it's the, that dirt. It's that dirt that's built around, that, that the pearl sort of grows around. He says, that pearl is, is the personality that you build around yourself as a protection against that thought that if they ever find out that I'm worthless, that I'm not enough, I'll be destroyed. Right? You, guys, you heard that, right? That pearl. It's that thing that we build around ourselves as a protection, that personality, that, that front, whatever, that we build around that, that, that protects us against the thought that if they ever find out right, that I'm worthless, that I'm not enough, I'll be destroyed. Just another way, I think, of saying the same thing. And then uh, I've shared recently, I've been reading through a series of novels. Again, thank you, Nakis. But... Uh, 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 by an author named Marilyn Robinson. And uh, the third book is a little book called Lila. And uh, it's the story of the, 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 the character of the title there. And uh, her story of sort of, and I think, sort of finding life and, and grace out of a, a life that was full of, kind of brokenness. 
And there's a moment in the story, I'm going to give stuff away in case you're going to go read, read them. Uh, but uh, there's a moment in the story, right, where she, she kind of is, is, is stepping into a relationship, she's getting married, uh, uh, which is not a spoiler, to another character in, in the story. And uh, she, the author and the narrator are kind of telling us about uh, this moment. And again, Lila, Lila is, I think it was Flannery O'Connor, I heard a description of uh, her correspondence with a friend confessing to her, mine is a history of horrors, right? Just kind of writing about all the brokenness of, of her life prior. And Lila is that kind of character, right? As, as you meet her throughout the story, you learn a little bit more, a little bit more of who she is. Hers is a history of, of horrors. Well she, well, she writes, okay, now in this moment, she's uh, stepping into like this, she's trying to figure out what it means to be in a marriage, right? Into this uh, relationship. She says, all these years, I was off somewhere, somewhere or other, getting by any way she could, the, the narrator tells us. But then she, then she says this, her life, her life was just written all over her. But there was no denying, right? All the scars, the brokenness, and, and over the course of the story, even in the, in the depiction of her physical appearance, it becomes clear, like, you, her, the history of her brokenness kind of written all over her. And she knew it without looking, because that's how it was with all the, all the women she used to know. And yet, uh, the author says, yet somehow she found, yet somehow she found her way to the one man on earth didn't see it, or, or maybe who, who saw it differently because of Ezekiel, which is another story altogether, right? But, but, but she says somehow, like all of her brokenness written all over her face, right? Sounds like Jim Carrey, sounds like uh, the CDC's latest update. That's a joke. But um, uh, finds herself in the midst of all that brokenness where all of that brokenness is written across her face in a way that's undeniable to anyone who would look at her. Finds herself to the one man on earth who didn't see it. Which brings me back to John's gospel. I think of Thomas. Thomas in our reading, full of doubt and not quite sure, man, what, what, how does all this going to shake out? Think of Peter elsewhere, right? You know, in the story, these moments of, in John's gospel, Peter, fresh off denial. All these disciples, they're just kind of out there, clearly seen for what they were. Defenses down, right? It's written all over their face. They're not worthy of much, right? They're not enough. They have fallen short. Their lives, again, written all over their faces. And yet, as Quentin read for us this morning, and yet Jesus keeps showing up and saying to them, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Right? Right? Somehow, they found themselves in the company of the one man on earth who seems to see through, past, around all of the brokenness that's written all over their faces. Doesn't see what's, what's written there, what everyone else sees, what, what they might see perhaps if they were to look in a mirror uh, or what they might hear every time a rooster calls it a new day into order that somehow they find themselves in the presence of the one man on earth who doesn't see that stuff or who sees it differently. Who sees it differently. Who sees it the same way he saw Nicodemus the same way he saw the man who had been born blind, the same way he saw that woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, the same way he saw that paralyzed man beside the pool who had no one to help him get into the water, the same way he saw the hungry crowds on a hillside with no one there to feed them, the same way he saw Martha awash in her grief over Lazarus, and the same way he saw every self-righteous religious person along the way, and the same way he sees you and me.
to all of them. He shows up repeatedly again and again. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. An invitation into his work on your behalf as the Christ, the Son of God, the one who, who works life where, man, we try really hard but come up short so often. An invitation into who he is as we've been reflecting on week after week that changes who, who we are. To see and believe what God is like because you've seen Jesus. To trust his goodness and out of that fine life, which, which takes me back to sort of that sticking point for me. What does it look like, belief and, and, and life? It's interesting to me that Jesus keeps showing up even when belief is tenuous. Right, like Thomas, we, we see you, Thomas. Right, even when belief is, ah, it's tenuous. Even when belief is erratic, right? Here's, here's looking at you, Peter. Right, it's kind of all over the map. Even when it's tentative and only comes out at night, we see you, Nicodemus. Right, even, even when it's laden with all kinds of baggage and history. Hello, Samaritan woman at the well. Or even when that belief is firm, maybe there in the mind, but lost in the aches grief of the heart. We feel you, Martha. Jesus again and again showing up. The work is mine. The work is mine. Not just when belief is tenuous, but when when belief is tenuous because life feels tenuous. Life as it's lived for you and me now, sometimes full of grief and loss and sickness or misdirection or missteps or wrong turns or bad decisions or good decisions or broken relationships or whole relationships and all of those ups and downs, life that sometimes feels so tenuous. Jesus is showing up again and again saying, peace, peace be with you. Peace be with you. John says, why am I telling you all of this? So that in all of those places in your life, all of them, all of those places you would know, believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the one who shows us what God is, God is like. Bread for your hungry heart, light for the dark nights of your soul, security for your coming and going, guide, way, source, resurrection, and light you would know you would know Jesus and so have life it's it's Peter's first sermon right that Pentecost day the invitation to repent to rest your life in Jesus of all the places you could go to deal with sin all the pearls you could construct to hide the dirt or ignore it or deny it or cover it or numb it or outwork it uh, right or disprove it all the things you could do to sort of get over the the story that your face and heart and life perhaps would tell Jesus steps into all that and says peace be with you believe me believe me and know life I want to invite you to stand with me we're going to close with a song Uh, this week, one of my kids was uh, having a conversation with one of you, actually, and I was a witness, a third party, and uh, she was talking about field day, <laughs> and uh, she was talking about field day like any eight-year-old would talk about field day. She was lost in a lot of detail, right? The placement of cones, the names of children that the person she was talking to would have no idea, right? Just lost in details. And John, I think, I, th- I think we do the same thing. I-, I know I do. I've probably done it this morning. 
John tells us, he's like, there, there is so much I can tell you about Jesus. He'll say at the end of the epilogue, the next chapter, there aren't enough rooms to contain all the things I could tell you about Jesus. So let me tell you why I've told you what I've told you. So that you would believe. You would trust him and know life. Right, I know, I know I get lost in the details. I know as a church sometimes we get lost in the details. You probably get lost in the details, names and references, all of that stuff. John says, let me help you this morning and boil it down for you. You want to know what God is like. You want to know his plan to redeem the brokenness of this world, which includes the brokenness of your life that's so often written across your face and your heart. It's Jesus. Trust him. Trust him and know the forgiveness of sins that leads to life. So that's the invitation. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.